0: Braving, hope comes and stops us in our tracks bravely we prove proven our striving trudging together each day where there's a will there's a way
1: hello everyone and welcome to friday's edition of raw recovery with dion miller uh, I'm very, very excited about today. Um, for the first time, we're bringing on an Al-Anon. Um, and is, you know, addiction and alcoholism, substance use disorder, whatever you want to call it, it affects everybody around them, especially people in the family, Um uh, and I myself am internally grateful to al because it saved my marriage and probably saved my life. And I don't think that as people in recovery that we realize that our family members um, and the people around us that love us are supporting us in ways that we don't even know about. And we're going to kind of discover that today with Kevin, uh, Kevin, you also, I'm going to introduce you here, you also run a company called Open Mind, Open Heart. Um, so first off, welcome to the show. We are so happy to have you here.
0: Great. Thank you, Dion. i happy to be here uh, today and uh, uh, just really um, grateful to uh, be able to share some recovery with, uh, with you and also with your listeners today. Um, really excited to be here and uh, uh, really want to uh, help anyone else else out there that's uh, looking at recovery and um, going through this whole process.
1: That's fantastic. What, why don't you tell us a little bit about Open Mind, Open Heart?
0: Well, um, this is um, actually my third business um, okay. that I've uh, had. I, I was a teacher for about 18 years. Wow. Um, and then um, I ran my own gardening business for another 18 years and just okay. retired that right before COVID. But in my background, um, I had a lot of spirituality and a lot of recovery. I, I have about 34 years of uh, Alan on recovery. Wow. And um, I I felt like there was such a huge need with COVID that uh, mm-hmm. there needed to be people out there listening. So what I did is um, I uh, um, I have a Facebook page. If you look me up on Open Mind, Open Heart, okay. um, you can find um, find me there or on this web- website, uh, Trudging Together Group. And okay. for those on this that are listening today um, on this podcast, um, I'm gonna give some discount to the services that I have. Wow, thank you. At this time, it's like a pay what you can. Okay. And um, and a portion of the income um that comes in from this uh podcast and from um the people that get in contact with me will go to the um uh Denver Women's Correctional Facility. To- Fantastic. To buy uh, recovery literature. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been involved in um, uh, bringing the program to Denver Women's Correctional okay. for the last eight years, and we really tried to be uh, fully self-supporting, yeah. um, but there's no way that they can bring in their own income, so um, uh, this is sort of my way of reaching out during COVID um, to uh, people that are hurting, and just need someone to listen to. I don't have all the answers, Sure, but um, I have some program materials, and um in a you know, goodwill that I want to just pass on to other people yeah. during this time, especially. So yeah, well, well that's part, what it's all about.
1: I think part of being a coach is realizing that we don't have all the answers, but what we do have is the resources to those answers. And exactly, that's where yeah. you and I yeah. come in on that. And I, I really, I, I'd like to talk more about the Denver's, uh, the Denver women's correctional, but I want to get into your story too. Great. Um I I'd, I'd really like to hear why you're doing what you're doing and kind of qualify all this. So let's maybe go back to I don't know if it's the beginning or but let's start your story and and
0: we will when we'll go from there. Great. Dion. that sounds that sounds great. Um I I guess the thing um that really is important to me right now is uh, the why okay. I I why I love this program and it's really, it's really to help others feel welcome, accepted, understood, no matter where they're coming from. Yes. Um, you know, a place, a safe place where one feels they can succeed in the face of any, any and all types of challenges, especially around addiction. And, Correct. and my hope to inspire others to do what inspires them in recovery, to be able to find their own solutions, make contact with that spiritual awakening uh, mm-hmm. with the God of their understanding and, um, you know, it's, it's welcome to everybody. We have incredibly low standards of this program. <laughs> Everybody's welcome. And, uh, and I just, um, my hope is that we can do good with your program and with uh, what I have to offer uh, for the greatest, uh, largest number of people possible. So it's, it's huge. I have a huge, um, vision of what this is all about. So. You know, yeah, that
1: is, that is fantastic. Um, you know, and, Absolutely, you know it when I was 15, my mom made me go to AA, because um, you know, she was new in AA, because she knew I had a problem already,, you know, and I have, you know I have brothers and sisters, she didn't take them, and, but if I wouldn't have gotten that knowledge when I was 15 years old, I wouldn't have known what to do when I was 19.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny, Dan, that you mentioned that Um, my first uh, AA meeting was when I was 16. Okay. I'm not, I'm not in AA. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) What, let me give you just a little bit of background. I I grew up in uh, East Denver, uh, five kids in the family. Um, My dad was an alcoholic and my brother brother was a drug addict and alcoholic. Um, His, his drug of choice was meth. Okay. Was in motorcycle gangs. Um, so we had a lot of, a lot of trauma, physical okay. abuse, uh, verbal, some sexual abuse. Um, later in my life, uh, one of my, um, um, uh, one of my, uh, daughter's, um, exes, uh, got our grandkids involved in a shooting at a meth okay. house. Wow. So, I mean, we, we just like been all over the, the map with this and, um, but the thing about it that was kind of interesting about uh, getting back to 16, um, one of my dad's drinking buddies, um, she went into recovery and she was an uh, ex Denver okay. police officer. She was a Denver police officer and right. um, had, had like Marine Corps training. Mm-hmm. She could have been a UFC fighter. She was wow. so tough. <laughs> so, uh, so she got sober and our family was falling apart and she kind of uh, acted like a parent to me. Yeah. So she used to take me fishing and hiking, and okay. she saw all the trauma going on in the family and started to take me to open AA meetings. So mm-hmm. um, so I went to a bunch of open AA meetings, and for any of your listeners that um, have been around recovery a long time, I used to go to the uh, open meetings at the first cafeteria over by Cherry Creek. Okay. <laughs> way, yeah. way back. And so I had a lot that of... That is going way back for us. I know. It's like super, <laughs> super way back. And she'd haul me to all these different meetings. And I, by the time I was 18, I'd already read the big book. Mm-hmm. But um, but I never really looked at it in terms of my own life. Okay. Uh, I always looked at it trying to fix them or it was all about them. Okay. And um, so um, uh, so what happened is... Um, someone one of the aas at the meeting told me that you know we got a program for you Mm -hmm. and at that time i couldn't hear it yeah so um so by this time my um my brother had died uh he was he really hung out with a lot of really rough people Uh, it was either suicide or murder uh he was uh he was a meth dealer in um had uh, tried to trade his uh, motorcycle for drugs, and it really ended up badly. Yeah. And, uh, so he didn't survive. And then my dad had um, um, one year of recovery before he passed away. Wow, cool. And, um, he, at his bottom, um, he, had, he had done a lot of blackout drinking. And so what had happened with him, He um, on one of his last blackouts, uh, he didn't know where he was, what city he was in, or where okay. he was at. He uh, went up to this house and gave this lady his driver's license and said, I don't know who I am or where I am, but I need help. Wow! And then uh, fortunately, my dad um, was able to go to uh, Hazelden. Wow. So um, so he did awesome. Hazelden. He did uh, one year of recovery there. Mm-hmm. And um, not looking back now, it's one of the greatest gifts yeah. that he gave us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I couldn't see it at the time. But um, that one year of recovery is all the difference in the world. Oh. And it, it changed my life. And so um, for your listeners out there, one year of recovery is huge. One day of recovery is huge. Mm. One hour, one minute of recovery is huge. Thank because you, you affect that. the lives of so many other people and you don't know the power of your program and the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. And his example is what, um, finally got me uh, closer to getting to Al-Anon. Okay. So, um, fast forward. Okay. So I go, I lived through the, all this stuff that had gone on in the family. All right. And, um, but my life was not, was not getting any better. My thinking was destroyed. It was very distorted. Okay. Um, and uh, I had three kids, wife, um, was having many many problems with depression anger um, sure. isolation and you know what i found out is that the the mind is such a huge part of how this disease plays out mm-hmm. and um it's what we're thinking and believing that causes so much of the suffering correct and i didn't know what to do with my suffering and so i usually hid and isolated and okay. uh, i was afraid to leave even leave my home um wow. i was i was pretty sick but i could still hold a job mm-hmm. but but I wasn't doing well. And so my wife gave me a book called um, it'll never Happen to me. Mm-hmm. And cause she was very concerned and I was not open to asking for help, but I did read the book. Okay. All right. But, so I read this book and I would, it just like opened all kinds of doors for me. Cause I, it, it, it made the connection again, back to what I'd learned from uh, that, the police officer friend, uh, mm-hmm. you know that, Oh man, I'm part of this disease too. Yeah. And that the disease continues to go on. Whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not. Correct. And so for me, what I did is I took that, that book and um, with a little courage and encouragement from my wife, mm-hmm. I called the Aladad Service Center. So I called the service center and wow. you talked to. You talked about this black belt um yeah. <laughs> Well, I met her. She was incredible. Yeah. So I get talking to her on the phone, and um, I just felt like right at home, many of the same types of experiences that, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that I had had, Dion. And so she had um, – um, everything was going really good in the conversation until she asked me about going to a meeting.
1: <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> so there was I, no you, way I wanted to go. Us- was there some pushback on that?
0: Oh, yeah, there was no way I wanted to go to a meeting with this lady. Okay. So she goes, She goes to me, she goes, Where do you live? <laughs> and you know, being the good people pleaser that I was, I yeah. told her where I lived. <laughs> so, so she goes, You don't live too far from me. I'm going to come over to your house and pick mm-hmm. you up and take you to a meeting. <laughs> that is so unheard of today. You know, you mm-hmm. wouldn't even think yeah. of someone having that much courage, but I figured. Well, if that lady had a little bit of courage, maybe I could have a little courage too. Yeah. So she pulls up in this old beat-up car. Um, you know, I think I think she borrowed it from Uncle Uncle Buck or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, she she pulls up, and I think it backfired when she pulled in front of our house. And I turned to my <laughs> wife and I said, "Do you think it's safe to go with her?" <laughs> So, that's probably, I mean, the, anyways. that's probably the safest <laughs> car on the block. I know, it probably was. So she comes to the door and we let her in. And then my wife takes one look at her and says, take them. Yeah, <laughs> please. Yeah, yeah it, 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 that
1: actually reminds me of a, of a story when my mom was still kind of new. And I've been going to AA meetings with her. There was one day she was having a real hard time and she was angry. And, you know, she was just in a real bad mood. And I literally picked her up and put her in the car and said, you go to a meeting now
0: Mm -hmm. and get out of here. Right. Um, I thank God for those people, man. They know how uh, to they, they really know how to cut through all the bullshit. And she had the best bullshit protector I've ever That's seen. seen. <laughs> she, her detector was in, incredible. <laughs> so I get in the car. There's like no seatbelts. I'm sliding around the front seat. <laughs> every time she talks to me, I'm sliding into her. So, so she takes, takes me to my meeting. And then uh, she takes me to my first three meetings. So she, she told me, she said, I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to take you. And then the beautiful thing about this woman is that, um, she called me every day and okay. she said, I'm going to call you every day until you learn how to call other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she did, she kept her word. And that was one thing that I could really trust with her, that this was finally someone I could really trust Yeah. that knew that- where I was coming from. She knew how sick I was, how confused I was. And, um, she, she took me by the hand and, uh, I tell you, Dion. Within within two weeks, I must uh-huh. have done fourteen meetings. <laughs> yeah. I was in a step study group, okay, uh, and I was already doing service and making daily phone calls. <laughs>
1: yeah, she had you going. That's she a,
0: did. Then, that's phenomenal. Then after two weeks, she looks at me and she says. She says, you don't have a sponsor. She says, I'm going to be your sponsor until yeah. I find you one. <laughs> yeah. Until I find you one. What a great Al-Anon. <laughs> I didn't have a choice.
1: <laughs> that's, what, so, that's what's so fantastic about Al-Anon, though. That's where I learned my boundaries.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, they're, they're really good with that. Anyway, go ahead. I'm enjoying the story. Oh, good. Well, I, you know, she, I, and we just can't, you know, kept going to step study groups and I, I grew so much. Um, and she did like a, a sponsor bypass eventually, but I could always count on her to to talk to and to, to call. And um, mm-hmm. she just cut through everything, but um, she kept her word. And I knew I was going to be okay. And uh, so work the steps quickly uh, in the program and um at that time i at that time i was a teacher okay. and um so um so it was really kind of, i had kind of an interesting part of my first recovery so i was uh, worked stayed with her group in uh, step study meetings for about uh two and a half years okay and then i had a um an opportunity a job opportunity in new zealand so um um i had enough wow. courage by that point and okay. enough self confidence and inspiration to to really get my life going. And, um, it was all due to Al-Anon and, and all the work that she, um, helped me with in my life. And mm-hmm. so, um, I take my family to New Zealand and, um, but prior to going, um, I'd wrote to the Al-Anon service center in New Zealand. Okay. And, um, so in the first week when we get to New Zealand, I mean, you go to a foreign country with your family and kids mm-hmm. is so different. And, and, um, I was the first man, um, that they had, um, Go to their meeting in a women's resource center. Wow! So, <laughs> so that was kind of different. So, but um, by the time I left New Zealand, um, she had—I had um, uh, I'd been going to a lot of meetings there and, and doing a lot of uh, program there as well, and, and also bringing a lot of a lot of the kids in the that I was teaching in the school. They had parents that were in the the meetings and recovery. Mm-hmm. So it was amazing. Sure. I still have friends to this day um, that are from there. But, um, what's really neat about it is that it really opens up a lot of things, but yeah. there's also a part that a lot of people don't think about with Al-Anon's is that, you know, AAs, we hear a lot about geographicals. Yeah. And for me, there was a little portion of this was geographical. Okay. Um, and, um, because when I was in the meetings there and I, I taught at a woman's college there. Okay. And, um, so I had some, you know, background to do that and, um, and there was a lot of uh sexual abuse issues and incest and stuff like that that was going on at that time down there okay, and there, it was coming up a lot in the meetings, and I kept thinking wow. to myself, "Oh my God, I'm glad I didn't have any of that stuff happen to me." God so um so it it started to open up um you know I had to be far enough away from my family to kind of look at that that part of the um the recovery process, sure. Yeah. And, um, and then being that far away from my family, which is really far away, um, I, I started to see some things and um, started to question some things that I wasn't, didn't really want to handle in my recovery. And okay. uh, so, um, so anyways, we, we leave New Zealand, come back. Um, and we came back pretty poor. Um, we came back with um, 20 boxes, 16 suitcases um, no car, no place to live. We were uh-huh. basically homeless for a while. Okay. And um, I got the first job I could find, um, you know, did um, construction work with bricklayers, okay. you know, and picked up a car. And we ended up staying with family for a little bit, but eventually we got back up on our feet. But All right. it was like my whole world uh, was, even though I had a support group to come back to, um, that had changed a lot because I had changed yeah. a lot. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, and I hope your listeners, you know, that are listening, pick up on that too, that, you know, this whole recovery process opens many doors and some we don't really want to go through. Sure. And uh, this was one I did not want to face. Mm-hmm. And so I come back, um, I started talking about some of the things that I learned in New Zealand and started scaring other people in recovery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they didn't wanna hear it. What, like so, emotional sobriety? Yeah. Yeah, like, oh my God, you know, Did my, you say my emotions, drama? <laughs> Yeah, they were like frozen and I was like uh-huh. thawed out, you know, and uh, um, so um, basically what happened is uh, I tried to find the safest people I could find in recovery still was going to meetings faithfully, um, was, you know, working with a sponsor, um, felt like I needed to go into counseling because it was too much too heavy to bring into meetings. Okay. And so for your listeners, it's okay to ask for outside help and and that can look like a lot of different things. Mm. You know, um, God is everything, including medicine. If that, Mm -hmm. if that's, you know, part of your journey. And, um, so for me, um, what I did is I, you know, started doing the counseling and, um, and all this, all these memories and crap came out, and yep. um, so um, it just got deeper and deeper, and I got so, so into a hole. I thought I'd never come out again. Wow! And for me, I thought um, I was having uh, a breakdown, and okay. um, at the time, I didn't realize it was really a breakthrough for me. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, being Thinking I'm right about everything, (laughs) (laughs) which is you know you know trying to be right is doesn't go away easily. No, it doesn't. (laughs) uh, So you know I'm starting to take other people's inventories, which is Mm -hmm. really none of my business. Yeah. And um, so I start bringing up issues with family members um, that they didn't want to talk about, and. um, so what happened the the short of it is that um, my mom and sisters uh, stopped talking to me for about eighteen years, okay, and it was like a living death. Um, it was yeah. probably the most hurtful thing i 'd ever um, experienced and um i didn 't know what to do i um, you know I tried to take care of what I could, but it was like sure. a, a, like a living death is the only thing I can kind of describe it. I can, I understand. I can certainly understand that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And And I know know, the listeners will too. Oh yeah. So if you're in that hole where you think it's not going to end the pain, it's not going to end the suffering. It's not going to end the despair. It's not going to end the hope. You know, I just want to let you know that there's a way through and Mm -hmm. I didn't see it even in my own recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it didn't require anyone else to change. Mm-hmm. It only required me to change. Yeah. And so my my whole program took another um, level that yeah. um, that I never knew could even be possible in the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And it was um, it was like my, even though I'd done the steps, done inventories, you know, tried to do amends, tried to do amends to get people to make amends back to me. I mean, I yeah. tried everything I could. Uh, uh, I was still manipulating like crazy. Yep. <laughs> so, um, Where's but, my amends? You know, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> <laughs> you what know, you think, why is this guy lo- laughing? His family hates him. And yeah. <laughs> you know, his whole life is fucked at this point. It's because you know? <laughs> we recover.
1: That's why we're laughing.
0: I know, because there, yeah. there
1: is a solution. Yeah. Um,
0: And um, so one of the breakthroughs for me um, was that, um, as I said before, it required me to go deep, deeper, and I had to wake up um, to see another side of step one. Okay. And uh, for me, you know, I was powerless over alcoholism. My life had become unmanageable. Mm -hmm. And in Al-Anon, we talk about I'm powerless not only over alcoholism,
1: but I'm powerless
0: over people, places, and things. things. Yep. And not only that, I'm powerless over what I'm believing about people, places, and things and how I'm reacting to people, places, and things. And that for me was huge because Mm -hmm. I I discovered that when I believed my stressful thoughts, I suffered. But when I started to question them, which is what that first lady did for me, she asked me Mm -hmm. questions all the time. The hard questions. Hard questions. Hard questions that had truth in them. Uh And for me, it was finding the God of my understanding, who, where, what was happening for me is those beliefs that were keeping me from recovering became my higher power. So there was no room for God. There was no room for that spiritual awakening. There was no room for any of those truths to come through. So I had to go back and really re-look at my stressful thinking and mm-hmm. what I found out is that you know the suffering was optional we, you hear that yeah. a lot of times that pain's inevitable but suffering's optional yep. and suffering for me was the thoughts I was believing the way I was reacting and I figured through the help of step one if I could meet my thoughts with love and understanding I could meet you with love and understanding yes and, um, and that's where it really started to begin. And there's a, an analogy I just want to say here, um, Dion, is that um, how it was for me was, um, uh, there's a story about this guy that goes out uh, into the desert and he's going okay. out at, at sunset time. And the sun is very bright. He knows there's rattlesnakes out in this particular area. Mm-hmm. So he's walking out in the desert and then all of a sudden he steps on a rattlesnake. And he thinks, "Oh my God, my car is like two miles away. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to see my family again. If the snake bites me, I'm I'm done for. I can never make it back." Mm-hmm. And then finally, what happens as the sun starts to clear? He looks down and he sees that he's standing on a rope. And for me, I started to figure out all those things I was believing were mm-hmm. ropes, mm-hmm. and and I could nice. make, I could make my own you know, misery by what I was believing and thinking and realizing that all problems are ropes. yeah. And that includes everything that I had gone through with my family, that they were, they were the ropes that I was really, you know, dealing with there. Sure. Now, um, do you, do you think that,
1: do you think that maybe there's some PTSD in there with you know, the I... trauma that you went through and, and, cause I'm kind of seeing some triggers. Oh Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I, I know that PTSD, it needs to be, you know, you have to, you have to go through certain steps, but, you know, we can kind of see signs to or, or even acute anxiety going on. Um, and that probably helped the therapy probably really helped with that.
0: Yeah. You know what? I, I stopped the therapy um, because it was making me sicker and, and, and that's important for people to realize that okay. sometimes. Sometimes you got to make some wise decisions with that. I had one therapist that made me sicker, and another that helped. Okay, but it really came down to, to me. Yeah, taking re- it really came down to me and my trust in my higher power and doing my own work um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: with that. And 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 I figured if I can, you know, there all these stressful thoughts are recycled all the time. There's no new stressful thoughts, and that's same for like you know, anxiety is just simply believing something that's not true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that PDSD is being stuck in a story. And I was stuck in the story with, I was standing on the snake with my family Mm -hmm. uh, for years. And um, without ever questioning to see what was really true and what was not true, Mm -hmm. because if we see it, we believe it. Correct. But that doesn't necessarily make it true.
1: And for me, Mm -hmm.
0: for me, that my higher power is all about that relationship with, truth. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that loving, I started to learn how to love what is. Yeah. And even though sometimes it's not always clear what that looks like, um, um, it moved me away from that universal addiction. Um, that's so easy to, we all share the same addictions, you know, Mm -hmm. and and, and even with, you know, like AA and, um, you know, like I like to think a little bit about, you know, we're drunk with our thinking long before we're ever drunk with our drinking and with us we're addicted to um, our alcoholic and we're addicted to our way of thinking about things. And it isn't until I started to do some questioning and really do some um, inside work to really, you know, get clear on what was true and what was not. Mm -hmm. And um, but that first addiction, you know, whether even before like the drugs and all that, you know, or um, you know, it's what we're thinking and believing. And um, that's, that's, there's a reward, there's a drug with what you're believing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why that's why you can feel like a higher power. Mm-hmm. And um so that that belief can be just as powerful um until it's questioned. The mind hates questioning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's, you know it doesn't want to it wants to hold on to what it, it you know it wants mm-hmm. to be right. It wants to hold yeah. on to what it believes. But yeah. once you start questioning it, it it it, it loses its power. Mm-hmm. You know you either you either believe what you think or you question it there 's really no other choice and yeah. and for me that 's where my higher power really helped me a lot is to see see the difference in um in what was true and what was not true and one thing that 's interesting too is when you believe something there 's like a a reward it 's like a like an addiction you know mm-hmm. it rewards you because it gives it gives meaning and purpose in life whether it 's even true or not yep it supplies um, you it supplies your brain with dopamine
1: absolutely Um, and that and that could be for for an alcoholic um feeling that way is a high in and of itself um but i think you're absolutely right i mean the addiction is different but i still see i might as well be talking to an alcoholic (laughs) we all we start with the first addiction right (laughs) yeah yeah and you know i don't mean to brag or anything but i certainly don't need alcohol to destroy my life you know i don't need i don't need alcohol and drugs to do that i can do that perfectly fine all on my own yeah so So, true and what i'm hearing from you is a lot of discovery you know um yeah, you know, I'm, I'm 50 and you know, I'm, I'm showing my age here, but G.I. Joe says knowing is half the battle. Mm. And once we can recognize those feelings, um, then I can do something about it. Okay, this is going on. Yeah. It happened to me this morning. I had some anxiety. I was able to recognize it. and And once I recognized it, all the power was gone like you were talking about.
0: Absolutely, you know, and that for me was like, how do I make those connections when a lot of those connections were damaged by you know what we were growing up with or what we yeah. were living with? and And for me, what happens is, you know, um, if I believe a thought um, a stressful thought, say, for example, okay. there's always going to be a reaction to it, and a reaction for me is either a feeling or it's a behavior, okay. or it's a picture or it's an addiction. Yeah. And, um, and that's kind of how, how all that goes together for me. And, um, and I, it was all over our literature. Um, uh, we have in Al-Anon and, you know, I read, I've read our literature over, over hundreds of times, sure but we have, one of the things I kept missing in it is that we have 37 pages in our literature that talks about questioning what you're believing. okay And, um, you know, and how are you reacting? Like, for example, one of the questions is, is it true? And can you absolutely know it's true what you're believing? Yeah. And how do you react when you believe that thought? Mm-hmm. And then um, and then another question they had was, what would your life look like if you never had that thought? Yeah. And we never Ooh. we never entertained that that whole no, idea, we what don't. would you like? You yeah. know, what would you like? And and to look at the opposites and find examples of how the opposites and for me I found a lot of the the sol- I I held a lot of the answers to my own problems by asking yes. the questions. Yes. And um, sometimes a ther a really good therapist can do that for you, but sometimes they can't. Yeah. Um. um and uh, and you have to. For me, I had to go deep enough to really look at it. Um. You know. And, and that to me is really what step two is about. You know. Um. Uh. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And for me, uh-huh. the sanity part. Was I was doing the thing, same thing over and over, expecting different results, mm-hmm. without questioning those stressful beliefs. And um, um, and for me, the picture I think of with this is um, when one of the times I was in uh, uh, Denver Women's Correctional, uh, I was in one of the the cell blocks. Okay. And um, it, it had all the tears going up, and and I heard this, you know, the doors, you know, you know, clang, and they're really right. loud and everything. Yeah. And um, there was a woman up on uh, the third tier that was uh, screaming when they, um, you know, slammed the door and, um, and then pretty soon there were like two others that started screaming. Yep. And then there were three and then there were four and, you know, and it just kind of went on and on and on. And, and, um, um, and what they were locked up with was their thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, they go in there and, um, they go in believing what they're thinking and they, you know, uh, do what they do because they're believing what they're thinking mm-hmm. and without ever questioning it. And, um, and, and they don't know that, you know, I didn't know it in my own life. Yeah. And um, so, you know, one of the, the helps of this program is that spiritual awakening where we find the truth. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, ask questions to help us get to that that truth. And you take like a Buddhist monk, you lock lock him up in there or her up in there, and they go, "Thank you," because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they're locked up with what they're thinking and believing. Yeah, and you know? <laughs> and they want to be there, absolutely.
1: And that's a that's a fantastic way to put it. Is you know they were they were locked up with their thoughts without any kind of without any kind of relief or hope inside of it. Right. And then, unfortunately, if you know, if if we are at that point, then we will seek out other people to reinforce it. Mm-hmm. You know, misery loves company, right. um, and that probably all started from a door being slammed. Yeah. When a door slams, and I hear it, I automate, I automatically. Okay, who's angry? You know, yeah. that's my first thing. Who's angry in the house? Why are we slamming doors? You know, it sets off. It's a trigger. It's my PTSD trigger. Exactly, and, and yeah. I just have to be okay with that. You know, yeah. there's
0: nothing going on, Dion. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't. I don't let go of my thoughts. Um, I meet them with love and understanding, and then they let go of me. Yeah, that's a great and way to
1: put it. Yeah. In the
0: same way, like with the steps, you know, um, working the steps. Drinking will quit you. You don't quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And The same with our thinking in the Al-Anon program, you know, you know, work, work the steps and that thinking will quit you. And, um, and one thing I kind of found too, is that in the program, especially with step two is that sanity doesn't suffer ever. When you're, right. when you're saying you're meeting those thoughts, you're meeting those reactions with love and understanding. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that um, and that's why I can go into the, the darkest stories in prisons Mm -hmm. um, because I started to meet my own darkness. I started to meet my own suffering. I started to meet my own loneliness. I started to meet my own depression, my own Mm -hmm. fear and misunderstanding and rejection and you name it. Once I could start to love that in myself, I could learn how to love that in others Mm -hmm. and and create a space, a safe space to be able to, to share um, that, Uh, I understand, and I don't have your answer, but I have some questions you might want to take a look at. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and I, I, you know, whether I don't think it really matters who you are. You got to take a a, once you can take a real honest look at yourself, things are going. Then things are going to start changing for you. And I like how you're saying I met them, you know, because. then I started to put in my mind, you know, that, that is what I'm doing. I'm meeting my depression halfway, man. I'm not going to let it come up and sneak. No. So I, I really, I really appreciated that analogy. That was yeah. Fantastic. Let's do a little bit of plug in. Let's do some, some plug in, open mind, open, open heart. Um, let's hand
0: out some phone numbers and some emails. OK, um, so what if you're interested in, you know, um, checking this out, um, it's called Open Mind, um, Open Heart and go to Facebook and you'll find my name, Kevin Skillen there and, um, um, and do a private message to me on uh, Facebook. And um, um, I'm going to
1: spell your last name for everybody. It is S-K-I-L-L-E-N. S-K-I-L-L-E-N. Yes, because I would not have spelt it that way. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and again, I just as a reminder to your um, to your audience there on uh, charging together group, um, it's there's a discounted um, a discount on uh, uh, anyone that approaches me through this website, um, okay, through your, through your website, or if they make reference to um, this. And please pass the word uh, on trudging together um, to your listeners too. Um, and then it's a pay as you can at this time. I know okay. a lot of people are going through what's what they're going through. And again, a portion of any of the income that I receive from, um, whether you pay full price or pay, pay as little as, as nothing, um, that uh, – um, I may ask you to bring literature, <laughs> <laughs> but um we do want to get we do want to get uh, literature into the correctional facilities as mm-hmm. you, you know there's um, we do get some from our um, our worldwide uh, organizations sure. but it's very limited and and you know what people steal stuff in prisons I don't know if you knew that or not but <laughs> <laughs> And you, uh, are you, and, are you into recovery enough to steal a book? I hope yeah. you are.
1: <laughs> and at least it's the right book. This right. Diary. Yeah.
0: You, think you might, you might find some answers for um, yourself. So, uh,
1: And then for any of my recovery coach friends out there or uh, listening uh, you know, this is a great referral for um, family members, for the clients that you're working with. This is a, this is a good opportunity uh, for you to be able to, uh, get some help for them.
0: That'd be uh, great. And if, if I'm not the person for you, we got a lot of great Al-Anon meetings all over the city and a lot of great zoom, zoom meetings. And if I could plug one last thing, we have, the, absolutely. Uh, we have a weekend in Al-Anon, uh, coming up this weekend. Okay. And, um, it's, um, it's a zoom call. If you go to the Colorado Al-Anon website, okay. um, it'll, uh, it gives you information on the zoom meeting and, uh, it doesn't cost anything. Everything's Zoom for the whole, it's a retreat weekend, but I'm speaking um, on Friday night from uh, eight to nine o'clock. Wow. Um, Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. They, they asked me, so you're going to hear a little bit of this story again, but, um, but it's such a privilege, Dion, to be able to, and Jill uh, for uh, you uh, asking. I really appreciate uh, your support and uh, I'll be able to pass some of this information on to some of my buddies in in recovery too. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it it really comes down to this is a we program, and I don't care if you have a problem with addiction or not, um, because what we do helps everybody. You know, I I work with people without addictions, but uh, everybody has one. Like you said, your first addiction. Really liking that. I'm going to be stealing some stuff. From
0: <laughs> yeah. Listen, um, take, you know, take yeah. as much as you want, you know, and, and again, I, my hope is that this inspires someone to take a look at um, to take a look at either recovery or um, asking for help. You know, mm-hmm. um, one of the things I'd like to think about is that my mind alone is really, you know, and, and Dion knows this is a dangerous neighborhood and, um, and we have, a thousand people to the left of us a thousand people to the right of us that are mm-hmm. there for us that we don't have to do this journey alone and yeah. um and there's a lot of help out there so um you know you know it's like you know it's like that gal that helped me out you know uh, pick up yeah. the phone you know and she's going to call me until I can pick it up so yeah
1: you know learning learning to you know that's what's neat about these programs is we are loved until we learn how to love ourselves Absolutely, you know,
0: can say it better
1: well, so yeah again thank you, thank you very much, uh Kevin, for being on and and spending your time with us um you know I, you guys, when it comes down to it, if we're going to do twelfth step work with other people, it is always good to we call them double dippers and that means, and I attend Al-Anon every now and again. There's some great stuff in Al-Anon that helps me in my everyday life. Um, the 12 steps aren't, aren't about, um, aren't about um, staying away from drugs and alcohol. They're about finding a new way of life and then passing it on. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah. we, we are given these gifts and then we give them away freely. And that's what recovery looks like.
0: Yeah, so, and we're, we're in this together. Right? That's it,
1: and that's why. And it's all about community. You know, um, we gotta, we gotta do, we gotta work with our communities. I'm not gonna count on you know government assistance, but you know, I'm not gonna count on any president to help us out with it. We got ourselves here, and I think we need to get ourselves out. I think what. I think our community is responsible and every time we decide to let somebody else take that responsibility,
0: I think it's just, nah. Yeah. It all comes down to us anyways. Yeah. But you know, we, we're not, we do it together and, um, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's where we get and That's why service to me is the last piece and you, you can't keep it unless you give it away. And yeah. And the more we do for each other, the more we get to keep it. And, um, it's our life insurance policy. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything either. It just costs a little time and, uh, in in giving of yourself. Yeah. Time, a little bit of time and time and effort,
1: time know. and effort yeah. and the gifts we get back are incredible. Fantastic. Thank you everybody for listening in on today's episode. I've had a, had a great time getting to know, getting to know <laughs> Kevin. Um, And then remember, you're going to get a discount uh, if you if you go through our page or his page. We will make sure that that is in the uh, we'll make sure that's in the post so that people know. Right. Right.
0: That's awesome. Really appreciate that. Thank you, listeners.
1: Thank you. All right, guys. I will be back on Tuesday with another episode of Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. In the meantime, you know it. I love you all. Peace out and have a day.